Well, we stared right into the devil's soul. We looked at it. We saw the end of what has been a disappointing run so far. We saw the end of really anything good in sports. And we got the last laugh because Kyrie Irving opted into the final year of his deal. Kevin Durant is not asking to be traded. We are not doing a podcast breaking down the returns we may get for Kevin Durant. And at least for one more season, the dream of KD and Kyrie leading us to the promised land exists. Welcome to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. Evan Roberts, Mike Biseglia. It's been a very emotional week. It was an emotional day, but it was capped off with the news that Kyrie Irving will at least opt in to the final year of his four-year contract. How are you feeling? You feeling all right? Yeah, definitely feeling better, definitely relieved, and definitely just excited to have conversations about Bruce Brown, about <laughs> is Joe Harris staying around? What are the pieces in return? What do the Nets do with Nick Claxton? Yeah, I, I am very relieved. And uh, again, just one more year at least of the let's play the if Nets as opposed to the definitely not Nets. Yes. Look, I, I give, I don't know if I want to give Sean Marks credit or Joe Sy credit because I think they played an incredibly dangerous game. And I still don't trust this owner. I look back at the decision to not re-sign Spencer Dinwiddie and then more than not, not take back a return of Kyle Kuzma and take back a trade exception, which still hasn't been used. And I see an owner that may not be as fully committed to winning as necessary. So I don't necessarily want to compliment Joe Sy and Sean Marks because quite frankly, the last few days was a very dangerous game. And I don't think as we sit here today, we know the long-term ramifications of it. Uh, we know Kyrie's back for a year. We know Kevin Durant is back for a year. But we don't know what this thing looks like in a year. And I stand by everything I've said over the last few days that this gamble that the Nets took wasn't worth it. While I completely understand why they wanted Kyrie on a short-term deal, and they've got him. They have him on a one-year contract, essentially. I get why they wanted that. To me, it was not worth the cost. It wasn't worth the idea that Kyrie Irving would leave. And I understand he didn't have a lot of great options. I get all that. I get why the Nets had confidence in their poker hand. But the idea that they were okay with losing Kevin Durant, too, which was a thought we had to digest all day today. Yeah, they won the battle, but I still don't understand the logic of being willing to blow this thing up over not wanting to guarantee the fourth and fifth year of Kyrie Irving. I, I can't get my head around that. Well, the well, the Kevin Durant part's the part that makes it interesting because if it's just boiling down to Kyrie Irving and it's I, I, on the record of saying I would be upset if he was gone because I think for the Nets to win a championship, he ultimately has to be a part of this success and has to be here. But it's the combination of Kevin Durant part, knowing that if Kai's gone, Kevin Durant's gone, that's why... I, in my head, have to have this belief that they knew all along Durant wasn't going anywhere because I don't I can't imagine in my mind. And, and I was on the verge of not having this thought that they would be playing with so much fire here that they were being like, OK, we'll take this to the very end, knowing that if we lose this, Kevin Durant is not coming back. They just they had to have had assurances that he was coming back or nobody in their right mind would play that game. And now it's easy to look back at that here afterwards when Kyrie opted in. But 
I mean, I guess five hours ago, I had the mindset of they don't care if he if he walks. That's their mentality. But the fact that they did get him to stay and did get him to opt in, they had to have known that Kevin Durant was okay with this I, all along. I, I, I don't had think, to have. bro, I don't think they did. I, I think they played a very, very dangerous game. And, and the reason I believe that is one thing that's very obvious. I think everyone listening knows this is that Shams is getting his information from Kyrie Irving. He's getting his information from the player side, and Woj is a mouthpiece for the Nets. And I think we've known that for sure. a very long time. All you got to do is go back to the Harden trade. Woj continued to claim they're not trading James Harden. That wasn't true. That was just what Sean Marks was telling Woj. But one thing Woj put out today that led me to think, yeah, Durant's not talking to the Nets. They have no idea what KD is thinking, is that they put out the whole... Kevin Durant wouldn't have any say over where he'd be traded if the Nets ended up blowing this whole thing up. That's a warning sign at KD, basically saying, yeah, he hasn't asked for a trade, but if he does ask for a trade, you're not dictating where you're going to go because you've got no leverage. If we want to send you back to Oklahoma City for 18 draft picks, we will. So I think this was a risk. And look, Joe Sy is a very successful businessman. I'll give him that. He played the risk game. He knew there wasn't another max offer for Kyrie Irving. He knew that Kyrie and KD would both be unhappy, but said, okay, I dare you. Where are you going to go? And they played a game of, yeah, we'd be willing to lose them, but we're not going to lose. We're going to win this ultimately. And they did. And so I guess a part of me gives him a half a credit for that. I just think it was one of those games that wasn't worth it because to have this end, this Durant, Irving era and really the Durant era more than the Irving era to have it end over net bro we're talking about a few years of guaranteed money if you believe Zach Lowe's reporting from a few days ago that the Nets were making him offers they were saying look we're going to give you two guaranteed years and then incentives to kind of guarantee year three year four they they were really just fighting over the last couple of years the assurances that Kyrie Irving would play so to have that be the thing that blows this thing all up, that's the part that I didn't register. But I don't believe they had Kevin Durant in their back pocket. I believe they're reporting that KD hasn't talked to the front office, that KD was going to wait and see. KD's own words was, I'm going to wait and see. Let's see how this whole thing plays out. Why would you demand a trade if you don't have to demand a trade, especially, bro, when you don't have any leverage to dictate where you're going to go? I hear your point on that, Evan, and it makes sense. But ultimately, it's about did Joe side, did Sean Marks get what they needed? Because a short term deal does make a lot of sense considering Kyrie's track record and they got to where they need to go. It's like in a baseball game, you might not agree with bringing in this pitcher in this situation. You would have gone with this guy in the seventh or eighth, whatever. But they got the win and they got there. Was it dangerous? Was it scary? Did I hate it? Was every moment of it just in completely terrifying? And and the thought process of Kyrie leaving and then leading to Kevin Durant le leaving, yes, it was scary, but it was all basically BS in the end, and it got us to where Kyrie's opted in for a year. We don't have the long-term effects of if something else were to happen. Kevin Durant's back now because, well, he was signed, but technically now he's not leaving because Kyrie's here. So, yeah, it was scary. Yeah, we didn't love it. But yeah, I, you have to give respect to Sean Marks because the other piece of this is maybe, just maybe, a little respect was given back to the front office and maybe in the long term that helps. And also, just the way these guys are wired, like, I wouldn't be shocked if Kyrie comes out, plays 82 games to prove a point, 
and that he wants that next big deal. And maybe having him a little bit motivated is something that's a oh. big deal. And it's like, I know you're $36 million motivated. Maybe right. to get Kyrie like legit pissed off. Look, not the, a bad the, thing. The one thing I think we all have to agree on, even if we don't like how we got here, is that having Kyrie back on a one-year deal is the ultimate win because mm -hmm. it does keep your options open if things flame out this season, that then he's just gone if you want to move on from him and it doesn't become an albatross of a contract. Not saying it would, but you at least eliminate that possibility. And if you are a believer, like you said, that this could motivate him, to play 70 regular season games, to have a huge postseason, that's a win. It's kind of like what's happening with Aaron Judge. Not that Aaron Judge needed motivation, but what's happening this year with Judge is a win-win for everybody. He's having a great year. He's going to get paid. And if you're the Yankees, even though you're going to have to pay him at the end of the year, he's having a great year. That's a win. So, yeah, I think ultimately having Irving back on a one-year contract is a great win. Uh, and I think Kyrie Irving, even though Shams wants to kind of phrase it differently, Kyrie Irving had a chance to shop himself around. He had a chance to say, okay, you don't want to give me a max. Let me see what I can get from others. And he realized that it wasn't out there. Mm -hmm. Like Kyrie Irving had to realize, had to have a humbling moment of, wow, the Nets weren't the only team that didn't want to give me that kind of contract. And I, and I thought it was hilarious. And this has been pointed out by a few that Shams writes, Kyrie's opted to stay. He turned down some opt-in and trade ideas. And then Woj frames it as Kyrie had no options. Mm. So he's staying. So even after this thing is settled, the pettiness from the Irving camp versus the net camp remained. And wow. I'm going to be fascinated to see how both Sean Marks, so I won't meet the media, but Sean Marks and Kyrie Irving spin this. Now, maybe Kyrie doesn't spin it. Maybe he comes out in the fall and says, yeah, I'm bitter. I'm pissed off. I don't think they showed me respect, but I have a commitment. I'm going to play my fourth year. But if you're Sean Marks, how do you spin this as this is a great culture and we're all one big happy family? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that one. Have fun with that. Yeah, I, I have no idea the answer to that question. No idea how you do that. And it's just such a relief knowing that, th that he is coming back and what that means for Durant. And it will be fun. When we get to the media and we hear their responses and they're all back and, you know, Kyrie Irving said, peace, I'll see you in the fall. It, it, here it goes. And it's just so nice to know that this is finally has at least this part of it has an answer to it because the way things were building up, I mean, it, it appeared that, I mean, it was donezo. I mean, in my brain, oh, I was yeah. already thinking of, oh, I hope you get a lot of picks back for Durant and, and a nice piece. You know, it was, uh, my brain was there. Oh, dude. And, and I've tried during this whole process. And I think we mentioned this the last time we did this. This is a public negotiation. And you try to remind yourself that you try to remain calm. And I thought I was remaining calm throughout this entire process that this was just one giant negotiation until Monday, until today, the day we record this, because there was so much more news coming out today. Not even news, but rumors the sham side. Okay, Kyrie's now going to talk to teams about a sign and trade. The Woj side, the Brian Windhorst tweet of, hey, the Nets are prepared to lose both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Today was the day where I lost my cool. And I'm on the radio, so I torched Joseph's side today. Uh, do I owe him an apology? Eh, I don't know. Maybe a little bit. I, I'm still very skeptical about him as an owner. But today was my breaking point. And I think it was for you and many other Net fans where – as much as you tell yourself, remain calm, uh, this is a big negotiation. 
I think we also have this fear of the past. You know, it's part of why I didn't like the James Harden trade at first. I feared history repeating itself from what happened with the Boston trade. And I think today felt like, holy crap, Mm -hmm. it's all going to happen again. And so I think that's a part of our DNA as net fans to not have this confidence that everything's going to work out. Uh, That's how you know if you're truly talking to a New Jersey Nets fan, why would you ever believe things are going to work out? Especially the part of the report where, um, oh, what was it? Oh, the Nets didn't like what they saw last year and don't want to go through that again. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, last year was a disaster. Don't get me wrong, but. Would you rather go through uh, a rebuild and go through Jared Dudley coming in and being your star savior? No, you have these guys on the roster. They played the game. It worked out. And now they're back. Uh, And it's just it's funny, too, because if none of this had happened, if they just, you know, Kyrie took the one year opt in. Let's say this happened 10 days ago and there was no drama. None of this. You would just be like all stressed out about Bruce Brown, all stressed out about can the Nets address their free agent problems? But in a weird way, because of all the hell that has been gone through in the last week and a half for Net fans dealing with this and, and having to endure all this negativity and disaster of what has been already since last season versus the Celtics into now, it like it makes you excited for just what you thought you were going to be going in with two weeks ago and just appreciate the normalcy for 10 seconds of, okay, Yes. We at least now have a team for next year. And if this didn't happen the last 10 days, that appreciation wouldn't be here. And I certainly have that right now where I'm happy. Yes. For what the nets are at this. It's, place. it's the old set the bar low kind of thing. Yes. The bar was set to where the whole team is imploding. The bar was set at, Oh my God, Kevin Durant's going to be traded to the Phoenix suns. And so now knowing, all right, KD's back. Kyrie's back. You hope Ben Simmons plays. Joe Harris is coming off an injury. Seth Curry's coming back. You look at this roster and say, wow, okay, we're a contender. Not that they're going to win an NBA title, but we're a contender. And that's a far cry from blowing the whole thing up. The the other thing I realized over the last few days, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but in 2013, the Mets had a 78-win season, a very nondescript year. And they had a stretch of games in late May where they swept the Yankees. They won two straight games at City, two straight games at Yankee Stadium. And they were great games. And they were fun victories, but the Mets were seven games under 500. And I remember Howie Rose said, this is the most exciting 500 team ever. And Beningo was even yelling at me like, come on, bro. This team is fun. You got to admit it. And I'm like, dude, they're 22 and 29. Like, what are we talking about? And the reason I bring that up is I have a warm spot for the 2019 Nets. I think we mm-hmm. all do. That was a fun year. They came out of nowhere. They made the playoffs, but over the last few days, they have been talked about as some kind of contender. Like, oh, we got to go back to the fun days of 2019. The fun days of 2019, they won 42 games. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, it was fun because they came out of nowhere. But if they ran it back and never signed KD and never signed Kyrie Irving, and they ran it back with D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Dudley and Jared Allen, eventually the low 40s and getting bounced in the first round wouldn't be so freaking cute. Eventually, you'd say, this isn't good enough. And it feels like over the last few days, for anyone that wanted to move on from Kyrie, they kept going back to, hey, wouldn't Theo Pinson dancing on the sidelines be fun? No, it wouldn't be fun. They were a 42-win team. What are we talking about? So I found myself resenting 
the hmm. 23, 2019 Nets over the last few days. That's a, that's a really interesting angle to resent them. Yeah, that, well, that team was so much fun because they were coming out of the abyss where they had traded all of their draft picks. They had no hope. And that's where Sean Marks was hitting his prime, where he was making the deals on draft night and then drafting Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie turning into a, an established point guard, Joe Harris coming out of nowhere, Jared, you know, Jared Allen, as I said before. And that's what made it so much fun is that they came out of nowhere and then made this progress. But the idea of rooting for a team that's going to fight to make the playoffs every year, that's something I've been through. That's something I've done. I've seen that basically every single year of my life as a basketball fan. And I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood for we are going into seasons looking for titles. And I think last season, the Nets were humbled greatly. I was humbled greatly as a fan. And I will not take anything for granted going into this year. But but there's at least we can play the if nets, the hope nets. That hope would be gone. And 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 I want you, Evan, to have to hold the 2019 Nets and think about that big win versus the Sacramento Kings and the Rondé Hollis Jefferson layup that gave them to win and not resent that squad and get excited about that first game versus the Sixers where they went into Philly and won and then blew it in the second game in the second half. But don't have resentment with that. We're we're not going there. We're looking <laughs> forward, and we've got we've got. We've got one of the best passers in the league in Ben Simmons who just needs to learn how to shoot a little bit. But we're, we're not, we're ironically beat our nets, but yeah, we're, we're not there. Don't, don't hold resentment over those guys. No, I know. I'm just, I'm excited and at least hopeful that maybe we'll actually get to see this team. You know, Ben Simmons has still never played a game for the Brooklyn Nets and even KD and Kyrie, they've played together, but they haven't played together a lot over the last three seasons. And so as we approach the three-year anniversary of the quote-unquote clean sweep of June 30th, 2019, it has been as underwhelming as humanly possible. The good news is the book isn't closed because obviously Durant and Kyrie are coming back for a third season together, a fourth season overall, even though wow. Katie didn't play in year number one. Is that what we're up to? Oh, no, a third. Yeah, uh, no, what are we up to? A third season with Katie and Kyrie, a fourth season overall. Wow. Because Katie, I know it doesn't. It doesn't feel that way. Wow. Yeah. When you think about it that way, it's amazing how time has flown. And they've, but, but here's the thing, bro. They've barely played. That's why. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I mean, Kevin Durant, who has been great when he's been on the floor, despite what was a terrible first round against Boston, Kevin Durant's played 90 games as a Brooklyn net. 90. That's not a lot. It's a little bit more than a full, full regular season. So I, I'm hopeful at least that we're going to get to see these guys play together because I, I remember saying this to you at times that even though Durant and Kyrie are best buddies and they couldn't wait to play together, they still don't have great chemistry. There's a lot of it's your turn basketball between KD and Kyrie and hopefully with a full training camp, incorporating Ben Simmons, having some time for these guys to actually play together. Again, assuming there's no catastrophic injury or Kyrie Irving decides to go away for a few weeks or the mayor decides, you know what? Let's bring back the vaccine mandate. We're going to get to see them hopefully develop that chemistry that we've only dreamt about. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think it's kind of was hitting me in real time. Well, it will be their fourth season as Nets, but the first year with Durant, definitely not coming back off the injury. Kyrie Irving that first year got hurt a lot missed and then it was the it led into the bubble that they've only played at these few amount of games now that this is behind them there's got to be a season where they this has to be the year they play 70 games together 
and this 7-Eleven thing comes together and they prove the world wrong. You know, Durant's coming off watching the Golden State Warriors winning an NBA championship, the team he left. And kudos to the Warriors, but as human nature, that cannot, he can say all the right things, but there's got to be a part of him that's a little jealous, right? And I'm not saying he's not excited for his friends and feeling good, but a part of him just has to feel a hint of jealousy and motivation. And then seeing the Celtics come up into the NBA finals, like Kyrie and Durant have to look at each other and say, let's mess stuff up. Let's go out. Let's prove why we wanted to come together to Brooklyn. And I know there's bigger things in basketball and ultimately their legacies. They won't, you know, who cares, but we came together for one goal to win championships together. Look at all this nonsense. Look what's happened to these other teams. Like let's, let's play together. Let's figure this out. Let's get 60 games under our belt as, as teammates. I hope that there's that killer instinct off of the embarrassment of this past season. But I remember after losing to Milwaukee the way they did, not that that was an embarrassment by any stretch, we looked at 2021 as the revenge tour. And it never came. Like, we never saw that revenge tour attitude towards this past regular season, starting with opening night against the Milwaukee Bucks. I'll say it again. Hopefully, this is the revenge tour. Hopefully, everything you just said is bottled in their mind. Now, as far as this roster is concerned, we do have an offseason that's about to begin. <laughs> we do have a, a free agency that's about to begin. To me, it starts with your own guys. Patty Mills has a player option. I think that's sort of been forgotten about over the last couple of weeks because we've been so focused on Kyrie Irving. I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about what Patty Mills may decide to do. Do you have a preference? It's about $6 million. Mills had a weird year last year where in the first half of the year, he was a godsend. In the second half of the year, he was a completely different player. I think the role, too, affected him, the fact that he was asked to be such a primary ball hander at times when Kyrie was ineligible for home games. He's also going to be 34 years old in a couple of weeks. Do you want Patty Mills to opt in on that $6 million option or no? I would prefer that he does not. I think with Joe back and Seth back and now if the Nets were to deal Joe Harris and bring somebody in that was more of a big, then Patty Mills would be somebody that would be more needed. But as the roster is constructed, and let's just say Joe Harris comes back healthy, I'd rather that money be spent elsewhere on somewhere where they could fill another void because I think Joe Harris and Seth Curry are enough for them, especially if knock on wood they got to playoff time. I don't even think you would get to Patty Mills based on the two guys you have in front of you. See, I disagree with you for this reason. It's $6 million, and as long as this owner, who I'm skeptical about, is willing to spend to win a championship, losing him just means there's an asset off the board. If Patty Mills opts in and you've got Seth Curry and Joe Harris and Patty Mills, you also have the option to trade one of those three guys, and you also have more shooting depth. If Patty Mills can't get on the floor in the postseason, okay, fine. Like, I don't think it's the end of the world. One thing I learned from last year, and I think we always knew this, is you never have enough shooting and you never have enough depth. So I actually hope Patty Mills does opt in. I don't think there's a benefit to him leaving. I'm not guaranteeing Joe Harris is on this team. And that's not a negative towards Joe. But I think when you look at, okay, he's got two years remaining on his deal at about $37, $38 million. I think he's got value despite coming off an injury. He also makes enough money where if you're taking back a big contract, Joe could make that money thing work. I think he's going to be shopped around. I don't think yeah. he's ultimately 100% going to get traded. Uh, I think it depends on what you're looking at in return. But I think the ability to trade Joe Harris 
it's easier if Patty Mills opts in on his deal. I don't know what he's going to do because I'm not sure what Patty Mills is, you know, free agent options would be if he opts out of a $6.1 million deal, but you never have enough shooting, especially when we're coming off back-to-back years where a key net injured early in the season and we never see him again. We saw it with Spencer Dinwiddie two years ago, and we saw it last year with Joe Harris. The difference with Joe is that we didn't know at the time he was going to miss the year. We thought, oh, four to six weeks, we'll see you soon. Then all of a sudden, four to six weeks turned into eight to 12 weeks. Then it turned into another medical procedure. With Spencer, you knew immediately, oh, my God, 20 ACL, he's out for the season. So because I'm I'm sort of waiting for, all right, who's going to go down three weeks into the season? It better not be KD. I almost would rather have those extra bodies just in case. Well, the problem was though, Patty Mills was just so bad in the second half of the season. I mean, he went from the first game of the year where he couldn't miss shots and how valuable he was. I think about the, the Raptor game and how good he was when the Nets were playing all the rookies to the end of the season where it was just a complete disaster. Well, Mike, let me him. ask you this. He couldn't get anything this. going. Quick question. If he comes back and he starts off the season playing 15 minutes a night, do you think we're going to see that kind of fall off even at the age of 34? I don't think you'll see that dramatic of a, of, of a fall off. No, I, w- I would, I would, I would, I would bet. I would bet it's more of a consistent, what he really is not great, but yeah, you're right. I don't think it would be as, as much as that. I so oh, I guess the question then is if, if he opts opts out and they can't use the money elsewhere, then yeah, I'd, I'd be cool with him opting in. But if, if that money could be spent, and I guess if you're saying like, based on the contracts and how it works, that that money can't be used in another spot, then you might as well it, you might as well keep them. It can't be used, but here's the caveat, and I mentioned it at the top. This owner may not want to pay as much in luxury tax as he has to. It's the only reason they didn't take back Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell in the Dinwiddie trade. There's no other reason. You can't tell me it was the trade exception. You can't tell me it was the second-round pick. They later on moved away. They literally didn't want to pay the tax bill. And I remember us talking about it last year where, hey, how much is enough? It's kind of like baseball right now with the Steinbrenners and Steve Cohen. You can have an $800 million payroll, but obviously every team has a budget. So if the game is, Cy uh, won't spend the $6 million he has to pay Patty Mills because there's a budget, well then, yeah. But if mm-hmm. we're just talking about money not really being an object, then I may as well have that $6 million on the books because – I think the priority this offseason, I was going back and forth about this, is the priority Nick Claxton or is the priority Bruce Brown? I think it's Bruce Brown. He has become, and this is one of those things that really benefited when we talked about this a year ago, when we were talking about all the free agents they had, uh, Dinwiddie, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, and Jeff Green. One of the reasons why Bruce Brown to me was a priority was because he was young enough where he wasn't a finished product as a player. And so maybe Bruce Brown was going to get better. And we saw right before our eyes. I mean, Bruce Brown went from a liability shooting threes to shooting 40% from three. 40! Mm. Like, who the F saw that coming to go along with the incredible defense he plays? He plays certainly a lot bigger than his size. He's only six foot five, six foot four. They got to bring Bruce Brown back. To me, that's the number one free agent priority, even over Nick Claxton. I would agree with you, but I would be interested to see how the Nets see things with Ben Simmons in the fold, because if you're putting lineups together and Simmons is out there, I it'd be hard to see a lineup where Simmons and Brown are getting minutes together at points because of the shooting and the spacing, and you want to get guys on the floor, and they kind of do similar aspects in a lot of ways. Simmons does more with the passing, of course, and everything that, that surrounds him. 
Uh, so I'll be curious on the Nets and how their their roster configuration thinks of that. But then from that standpoint, all right, let's keep Bruce Brown. What are we doing at the center position? If we let Clax go, we let Drummond go. Blake's gone. I mean, they have nothing. It's like there's no one at center. No, like, I know. What, hap- what happens then? Yeah, that would be I, my that would be like my let's play devil's advocate. All right, let's 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 let Bruce go because we think Simmons can fill some of that. We'll sign Claxton. He's a little bit younger, and we think that we now we have our center of the future. Like, what do they do? Yeah, I I think that Dayron Sharp is still on this team, and I think he definitely is going to have more of a role than we saw last year. I think you're going to sign a veteran rim protecting big, a guy like Javal McGee. Um, but it's not ideal because LaMarcus Aldridge is clearly gone. Blake Griffin mm-hmm. is gone. Despite the energy Blake gave him at the end of the Boston series, he has no role on this team and he's only getting older as a player. I think it's a major question what they do at the five. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, that's why it's going to be so interesting to see how Sean Marks attacks this thing, but I would look at a veteran veterans, minimum big like JaVale McGee. I think the market for Nick's Cla- Nick Claxon will also be fascinating. We'll go a long way to determining if they're going to bring him back or not. I disagree with this about Bruce Brown. He is not a playmaker and I don't want the ball in his hands. He's not that kind of guy. I think him playing off ball, him defending, he can space the floor a little bit more now because he's shooting from three. I mean, this is a guy who would take, you know, less than a shot per game from three last year, that number started to go up and he was making 40% of his shots. And he's such an energy guy. He can defend. I'm not saying that Brown and Simmons are going to play huge minutes together, but I don't think the fit doesn't necessarily work on the floor at the same time. So I think Brown Brown's a priority. I think the market on Claxton will be fascinating to watch. And then you just wonder, does Sean Marks have something up his sleeve? Like, can he get involved in the sweepstakes for OG on Obi? Can he make, get involved in John Collins? I doubt it, but I don't know. I mean, I would hope that Sean Marks hasn't been sleepwalking over the last few weeks as they've done this Kyrie Irving negotiation. No, I'm sure they're paying attention. And now, you know, you get somebody like a John Collins and that's where the Joe Harris swap would be. But I don't think the Nets have enough to make that kind of deal to bring in that sort of talent. And I unfortunately just think for the Nets standpoint, and I'm glad to say, unfortunately, it's going to be, can you find the role players that fit around this group that want to come in and try to win a championship? And then, for Sean Marks, he has to have a better offseason than he did last year because every move he made bringing in free agents turned out to be really, really, really bad. Everybody that, that he signed, none of them played. It was the rookies that saved him as they had a solid draft. But those free agent signings need to be better. Like Jeff Green was so important. His his Him not being there crushed the Nets last year. I mean, like, James Johnson was forced into roles that obviously net fans have seen was rough to watch. And then he played so many minutes. It was such a valuable in the sense of being on the court because the nets needed him to not on the playoff roster gone. Paul Millsap was dealt. He did nothing for them. Marcus Aldridge was okay. And then he got hurt and he couldn't find a role back. And it was awkward. Blake Griffin couldn't get on the court. It was like everybody he signed in the off season None of it worked. He needs those guys to start working again. Even like even Landry Shamit was okay. Jeff, uh, Jeff Green was really good. They need to they need to score on those free agents and make those yes. work. That, yeah, that's he a did. Big part. Javon Carter. Let's not forget the mm-hmm. Javon Carter era that we dealt with the Landry Shamit Javon Carter deal. 
You're right. I think one of the biggest issues with Sean Marks is taking out this negotiation with Kyrie Irving has been putting the pieces around these guys, uh, especially last year. So I agree. It's going to be interesting to see what he does this offseason. The drafts haven't been bad. I like the fact that they took the Philadelphia pick and kind of put it up for next season. They now have the ability to use draft picks and trades, which they didn't really have last year after the James Harden trade, but acquiring the two Philadelphia picks is significant. No question about that. Um, the other thing that's on my mind, and I, not that I want to overthink this because I think it will take care of itself at the end of the season, Kai back on a one-year deal, Joe Harris only having one more year after this, Seth Curry being a free agent at the end of the year. This is really a make-or-break year in terms of if they flame out again, and by flame out, I mean at minimum, they're not in the Eastern Conference Finals. I should say NBA Finals. If they flame out early, I think you got to really consider blowing the whole thing up. And I think that Kyrie on a one-year deal kind of gives you more of a chance to do that because let's say this team just, for whatever reason, maybe it's injuries, maybe it doesn't mix, which I have a tough time believing. I think if everybody plays, they should be very good. But if this thing doesn't work again, and we're sitting here next April or next May, talking about another massive disappointment. And I love KD, and he's our guy, as we've said. But you'd have to think about blowing it up. Mm. I mean, you really would. And I think that Irving on a one-year deal kind of makes that even more possible, where at the end of this season, if there isn't, you know, I don't want to say they have to win an NBA title because, you know, you get to the NBA Finals, you're losing six. I'm not blowing it up. That'd be stupid. Like, why would you do that? You'd run it back for another year and hope that it works. But if they are a long ways away, from winning an NBA title, I think you definitely have to sit around next year talking about, all right, this didn't work. Let's blow it up before it's too late. Because if Durant has a really good year, yet things flame out, you would have a guy with three guaranteed years on his contract at 34 years old and say, all right, let's just trade him to a team who thinks he's one player away. I don't want to believe that's going to be a discussion we have to have. I hope the gods of the basketball gods, it's not. but. I think you have to go into this season thinking they better freaking win. Well, I love how, how you started this by saying, you know, if they do play, I think they could be pretty good. Yes. I, I you know, I hope they play. Cause I agree with you. I think if they all get on the court and they, and they try that this could be a success. I think to answer that there's so much nuance involved with how the season goes. What does Kyrie Irving do with a, if with a full season, does he play? How does Kevin Durant look? So there's so much nuance there to even go down the road to speculate on that front at, that that it's even a thought. Um, and a lot will go along. A lot will go with what we see from Kyrie Irving this year with let's just hope and pray that all the mandate stuff, all the COVID stuff is behind us. And we're just headed into a basketball season where it's the normal everyday grind and not the other outside forces that kind of were out of the Nets control a little bit that, that played in the hand with why Kyrie Irving missed so many games and that we can just focus on does Kyrie Irving show up to play? Is he there? Is he teamed up with Kevin Durant? And I think if he does that, he puts himself in a position where then, you know, the Nets do give him that contract and feel good about that. Um, you know, and, and for Kyrie, if he plays great and then wants to opt out, he's pumped up his value where other teams might want to sign him and feel good about that. But to, to, to get back to what you're saying, and, and, and is this an option of next year thinking about that? Uh, you know, there's so many different little nuances to that. But, I, you know, of course, I hope 
uh, that's not a conversation. It's it's more about uh, Nets basketball and, and championship or, or being pretty close. The one thing I'm also not overly worried about is that players who are free agents today, let's take PJ Tucker, who I think would be a great fit, mainly because he doesn't have to, we don't have to deal with him. We don't have to go up against him. Seriously. We don't have to deal with PJ, you know, getting up and in on Kevin Durant throughout a seven game series. I don't believe that the way this situation was handled is going to be some kind of turnoff in which players aren't going to want to sign here. I think player, a player will sign here if they believe this is their best chance to win. And if they like their role on this team, that's really what I think it comes down to. So I know that Sean Marks did a great job before they landed these superstars of being perceived as a real player friendly general manager. I don't believe as ugly as these negotiations were through the media over the last few weeks, that that's going to be a turnoff to other free agents. The turnoff to other free agents would have been if there were no good players on this team, that would would have been the problem. If, if Durant was in Phoenix and Kyrie was in LA and this team was being led by the Enigma, Ben Simmons, that would be a turnoff. So if PJ Tucker decides to sign with Philadelphia or wherever he decides to sign, it's going to be based on him thinking this is a great or better chance to win a championship. I don't think it's going to be because of the way Sean Marks handled these negotiations over the last few weeks, but I wish it wasn't handled this way. Like I get it. They get the win. Sean Marks and Joe Sy won in terms of what they were willing to give and what they ended up giving, which was Kyrie simply opting in. But this was not ideal. This was embarrassing for the last few weeks. Uh, it just wasn't a good look. And as a diehard fan, I, look, I'll be excited for the start of the season. But this was a turnoff over the last few weeks, the way this whole thing was handled. Well, two parts. First, I just want to say everywhere P.J. Tucker goes, he wins. Look at now with the Bucks, he wins the title. He goes to the Heat. They lose in seven. So I'd, I'd welcome P.J. Tucker on the Nets because I just think positive energy follows him with, with teams. And look how good the Rockets were when he was there and everybody was healthy. Um but this part of you think in a weird way, Kevin Durant's like, I've got a little respect now, maybe a morsel more for Sean Marks that he stood up to me. Like, like this idea to you, what you said early in the podcast, where they had the idea that Kevin Durant might leave. Do you think there's part of KD that's like, okay, you, you a little respect because you said, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of the, of that control back. Maybe I don't agree with it. Maybe I don't like it, but Damn, I get that. Kudos to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Look, I'd, I'd love to think that. I'd love to find all these rosy positives that come out of this. Like, ah, Sean Marks has his franchise back. Kevin Durant respects him. I don't know, man. I, I think that time heals wounds. And I think that by the time training camp starts, first of all, I think this story, not that it goes away, but it becomes much less of a story. I don't think Kevin Durant, is going to be peppered that much with questions about this, maybe one or two, and then it'll be the offseason and the upcoming season that's about to start. So I I think that luckily media day is so long from now. Training camp is so long from now. The start of the season is so long from now that this will really be in the past by the time this season starts. I think Durant wants to play basketball. I think he's happy that Kyrie Irving's back, not necessarily just because he's a friend, but because he knew what I knew and what you knew. The Nets' best chance to win an NBA championship was, was, was with Kyrie on the floor. That's why whenever I would hear these arguments about Kyrie's this, Kyrie's that, you got to get rid of Kyrie, people would always leave out how they are a championship uh-huh. contender without him. And that always bothered me. And maybe 
I just have different priorities than others. My priority is win. How do they win? How do they get to the promised land? And, and you know, we talked about it endlessly. I didn't see a realistic way they were going to get better with Kyrie not on the team. And I think Kevin Durant probably agrees where it's, hey, I want to win a championship. What's my best route to winning one? Irving being on this team gives them that best route to winning. And now let's see it happen. And I remember saying this to you in 2021, that first year we had everybody. After they lost to Milwaukee during the devastation of those few weeks, as painful as it was, I said, sometimes you got to lose and you got to suffer and it'll make the winning that much better. If this freaking franchise can win an NBA championship after everything we've seen over the last two years, I, I know winning would be incredibly special no matter how it happens. And I stand by that, but my God, you'd have to think it goes up a notch after what we've seen the last couple of years. Oh, it definitely would. You know, all the jokes aside, Kevin Durant's foot or Kyrie Irving didn't hurt get hurt and James Harden didn't and the Nets just get into the playoffs and they are somehow able to win a championship. Oh, we would be through the moon. But going through last season's hell, even this offseason being as awful as it is, like I said, I'm just celebrating the fact that we have our team back together. Oh, it would it would no doubt be just just an incredible an incredible feeling and it would add to it. I 100% it would add to it. And, you know, talk about the, Oh, the, you know, the Brooklyn mercenaries, they're not calling the net, the Brooklyn mercenaries anymore. Right. These guys are all staying. Maybe it was a little tricky to get here. And maybe the, the, you know, the yellow brick road for Kyrie Irving was a little windy like it or not. He's here. They're back. And if they win through all the BS that, that has occurred in the media, through the media, on the court, off the court, hard and getting dealt with. Kyrie Irving, is he coming back? The Nets getting embarrassed by the Celtics. Oh, it would just, they would, it would just be all, it would be all worth it. But no uh, doubt. It would be all worth it. And think about how lucky we are as New York basketball fans. We get to watch Kevin Durant every day. And pretty soon we're going to get to watch the great Jalen Brunson every day. I am. Mm. So excited to watch that at Madison Square Garden. I know you are as well. Yeah, a, a risky move for the Knicks, dealing away their lottery pick to secure cap space to bring him in. Uh, I like what he did in Dallas, but boy, if if they miss on that, they're 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 screwed. I mean, if he's not good, they're screwed. He's not that good though. That's, that's I the mean, problem. he was. I, he looked good in Dallas. I, I, I no no. I, I like mean, I like Jalen Brunson. Don't get me wrong. Is he a guy I'm throwing the bag at? Is he a $100 million player? Is he a guy that's going to help turn this franchise around? Not really, but whatever. I, I wish my friends at the Garden all the best. I really do. I want them to have success. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one more Nick point to that then, too. Also, if you're going to give R.J. Barrett $200 million, you know, you're, you're, you're giving a lot of money to an unproven backcourt and it's basically prove me contracts and it could pay off and be great if they, if they look great and then they're kind of underpaid, but if not, I mean, the franchise is in serious trouble. Uh, we will react as this off season begins with Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton, and anything else the Nets do, but obviously the big story, Kyrie Irving's back. Kevin Durant's not going to be traded and our world hasn't completely been destroyed. You can check out Mike at Mike Delivers Pod. Plus, he does a great podcast with Nick Central, the Bad Weather Fans podcast, and obviously me and Craig every day when we decide to work during the summer at 2 o'clock on WFAN. Thanks for listening to the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast.